for the rest of us, we're going to turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. We've started going through a, a look at what is known in the Bible as the Sermon on the Mound. So if you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll be focusing on verse 7 today, but I'd like to read through the passage and think through these words of Jesus, these words that are spoken to you and to me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowd, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's take a moment and pray together. Almighty God, we have just read your word. An invitation from you to be partakers of your kingdom. God, you offer us an invitation of life, meekness, mercy. God, you're declaring to us your heart to share your blessedness. Thank you, God. These, these words are, are wonderful and heavenly, but we confess, God, our eyes are feeble and our, our hearts are weak and our faith wavers. Our feet stand on this broken world so full of darkness, so, so stained by hate and sin and brokenness. God, we, we pray, give us spiritual eyes to see and fill our hearts with faith. Take us by faith into your presence. Open up our ears. God, open up our hearts to receive your word 
as truth to believe, as, as food to eat. God, we ask that you would shield us from our sinful self. God, that your, your word would transform us today. God, may your spirit here and now impart comfort, conviction, and hope. Help us and transform us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we've looked at the first six verses of this account. And this pattern, you can see a pattern, right? A pattern coming through this, this Jesus repeating this blessedness. Verse 7, it's short. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, there's, there's not much to say about this text. It's, I don't know, it's pretty straightforward. What a blessing to know that the merciful receive mercy. So, go out there this week and be merciful. Try to do three merciful things and have a great week. Let's pray. <laughs> oh, maybe there's a little bit more to say. Because that's not really the gospel, is it? No, no, on second thought, actually looking at this passage, there's at least, I think there's at least three questions we should ask ourselves as we read this verse. It's probably good for us to start and ask the question, what is mercy? And the second question we should ask ourselves as we look at this verse is, am I merciful? And lastly, Perhaps most importantly, we should ask ourselves the question, where do we get the power to be merciful? So these three questions, I'd like to take the rest of our time this morning to think through as we look at this passage. What is mercy? Am I merciful? And where do I get the power to be merciful? Mercy. What is mercy? It's been described as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Simply saying, someone has said, mercy is not getting the wrong I deserve. Mercy's not getting the wrong that I deserve. An important concept of mercy is this. This one we have to understand. No one deserves mercy. Okay? Because mercy is, is what is given to those who really deserve punishment. No one has a right to mercy. Mercy cannot be bought, it cannot be earned, and it cannot be merited. So, so what does mercy look like? I mean, like, what would that look like in real time? Let's just imagine for a second that you, you are a citizen of a totalitarian state nation, okay? You're somewhere, 
where a country that is ruled by a dictator and, well, in time you, you join a group that is opposed to the dictator, okay? Because the dictator is harsh, controlling. And in time, the group, it grows more extreme. In fact, it attempts ultimately to violently overthrow the dictator. In fact, it's gone so far as there's a plot to kill the dictator, and you've consented to that plot. But the plot is exposed. You're arrested. And all evidence points to the fact that you have been involved in what we might call insurrection and treason. What do you think the dictator is going to do with you in this case? Hmm. Usually dictators say something like this. Ah, that's all right. No big deal. I mean, it's not like you wanted to kill me, right? Wait, you did. We know how this is going to end. It happens every day in our modern world. It's happened all throughout history. Those that oppose the powerful dictator, those that try to overthrow, if they don't succeed, they die. Sometimes absolutely cruelly to be an example to those who would think about doing the same thing. Do you realize the situation actually describes each one of us here? Think about this for a second. Each one of us, you, 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 me. This describes all of us because, in a sense, all of us have opposed not a king, but the king. In fact, that king, in seeking to offer us peace, actually went so far as to send his son to make a way for peace between us and himself. And each one of us here shouted out, crucify him, crucify him. And maybe you're saying, no, I didn't do that. Yeah, you did. As if you and I were in the crowd before Jesus when he was with Pilate. All of us have said that by our deeds. When we have chosen to walk contrary to God, his rules, contrary to trust him, when we have placed our trust in ourselves, when we have chosen our own way, when we have chosen wrong, all of us joined that crowd. And we said, crucify him. It's cosmic treason. Cosmic treason against the God of the universe. The truth of the matter is your sins and my sins put Jesus on the cross. Now, now what could be more utterly unforgivable than putting to death the Son of God? 
I'll tell you what is worse than that. What will be unforgivable is rejecting his pardon. Rejecting the fact that God has offered mercy and we say, no, I I can do it myself. I don't need him to save me. I will run my own life. I will not bow my knee to anybody. I bow to me. Those who die rejecting God's mercy are choosing his wrath. They're choosing God's judgment. And there will be no mercy for them. And I think it's good for us to understand that God's wrath in this case is actually right and good. God's wrath is not bombastic or just kind of something that just goes out. No, God has offered mercy. He has offered a way. And when he is judging sin, it's right because what we have done is disobeyed him. Think about this. The king's son took your place for an execution you deserved. Imagine telling the king that you don't care. His, death, his son's death was worthless. You see, the only refuge from the wrath of God is the cross. Because it was there that God made a way for forgiveness. It was God's offer of peace through his son who lived a perfect life, the life that you and I could have never lived. And the unimaginable, that he died the death that you and I should have died. And said, I'll do this in your place so that you can have live, so that you can have peace. We didn't deserve that. It was given on the basis of Jesus, on his goodness, his faithfulness, his love. Friends, that is what mercy is. God has extended mercy to the people who did not deserve mercy. You and I can't claim, oh wait, I've got a claim on mercy. No, we don't. What a thing that God has offered. That is mercy. Question number two is, are you merciful? Jesus tells an amazing story about mercy or perhaps an amazing story about a lack of mercy. Flip over in your Bible from Matthew 5 to Matthew 18. There's a parable here that is really worth our time to read because this question comes up about forgiveness. In fact, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter, Jesus is just talking about to his friends And Peter's asking the question, well, okay, this forgiveness thing, like how many times am I supposed to give? In fact, that's what he says, verse 21. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter is like thinking, I am the picture of forgiveness because I'm willing to forgive my brother seven times. Seven wrongs, I'll do it seven times. That's how magnanimous I am. And Jesus says, well... I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. I wonder what Peter was thinking. 
But then Jesus goes on. And he fills this out for us to kind of fill in the details. Verse 23, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I've got to stop there. 10,000 talents, what are we talking about? Let's say, just say a trillion euros. Okay, it is an enormous sum of money. This guy, I don't know how he got in debt that much, but he owes the king a trillion euros. Okay, let's read on. 25, verse 25, And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant, he fell on his knees and implored him. He said, have patience with me and I will pay you back everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and he forgave him the debt. Can you imagine? You have a trillion euro debt. And the king says, all right, I'll forgive that. So the guy walks out. He is is forgiven. Verse 28. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his friends. He runs into his friend, a servant, who owed him a hundred denarii. He sees his friend. He goes, oh my goodness, there's that guy that owes me a hundred denarii. And he grabs him by the neck. That's what it says. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. And his fellow servant said, Have mercy, have patience with me, and I'll pay you. And he refused. And he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Well, when his fellow servants heard this, they saw what had taken place. They were greatly distressed, and they went and they reported it to their master all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had with you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Mercy and lack of mercy. It's an amazing picture because if you don't see it, we're like the guy that had the big debt, right? All of us had this enormous debt before God. And if we have turned to God, asking for his forgiveness of our debt, if we've received that grace of God, it will make us want to forgive everybody else. This is mercy. This is what mercy does. To be merciful But we're not naturally merciful, are we? Perhaps, perhaps you're a scorekeeper. Are you a scorekeeper? 
I think Peter was a scorekeeper. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm kind of keeping track of who's wronged me and how many times. Because Peter's like, look, I can do this seven times. And Jesus says, how about 77? So this is really important for us. So I think we should all carry around a little book so we can see how many times people wrong us. And when they get to 78, that's when we let them have it. Do you think that's the message from this? No. Jesus throws out this idea of 77. It's this number of perfection. It's like, you be as forgiving as I have forgiven. Our forgiveness cannot exceed God's. But it's easy to be a a scorekeeper. I know that's not what Jesus is talking about. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Verses 4 and 5 says this, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. That word resentful literally, uh, the literal translation of resentful there is does not count up wrongs. How do I know if I'm a scorekeeper? Well, I compare and judge and value what you contribute compared to me. I say, you always do that. Do you ever say that? You always forget. You never fill in the blank. Is that how we talk and think about one another? I mean, if I say that, I'm kind of saying, I'm remembering all the times you haven't done that. Friends, that is not the language of mercy. That's how a scorekeeper talks. In fact, let's go further. Because remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when these things are coming out of your mouth, friends, it's a picture of our heart. We like to keep score, especially because we think we're ahead. It's one of the ways that we are not merciful. Let me ask you, wives, wives, are, are, are you more aware of your husband's faults than his strengths? In fact, which one do you remind him about more? Husbands. What do you do with your wife's weaknesses? Do you belittle her? Tell your friends? Do you shame her or accuse her? Do you get angry with your spouse about their faults? Children, what's your attitude towards your parents when they make mistakes? All of us. Are we merciful to our friends? Merciful to your classmates, merciful to co-workers, merciful to brothers and sisters. Yeah, but that's different because that's my brother and my sister. No, 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 it's not different. God has called us to be merciful. Merciful with our actions. But let's go one step deeper. Let's be real. Are you merciful 
in your heart and in your thoughts. Because that's what got my attention when I read through this passage this week. I thought, man, there are times my thoughts are anything but merciful. This idea of being full of mercy. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we see that we can't do this. I cannot have this kind of mercy on my own. That's not what I am. The, the idea of saying, go out and be merciful on the strength and volition of your own two feet, it's not going to happen. Especially to be full of mercy. I mean, we can do a little act here or there, right? We can all do something merciful, but that's not what it says. It says to those who are full of mercy. Well, it leads us to our last question. Where do we get the power to be merciful? I'm convinced I cannot be merciful like this. I've tried. I mean, I've, I think I've really put in a good effort to try to be merciful. I'm going to be really nice now. And you know, it just doesn't work. I don't know about you. Has it worked for you? I'm not that nice. I had kids that sealed the deal. I'm just not merciful. I need the grace of God. But God requires this of us. Where do we get this power? How can I be merciful? If it's not by trying real, real hard, what is it? Remember this if you forget everything else here tonight, remember that context as we read through the Bible is critical. It's key. So if we take one Bible verse and we rip it out, and we say, hey, here it is. Go be merciful because you'll get mercy. It's really, really important for us to see that this verse is tied into a bigger passage. Why is it come here and not first? Well, let's stop and take a look. Let's go back to verse 3. You see, this text starts out, Jesus opens up his mouth, and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. The blessing starts with people that are spiritually bankrupt. The people that come to that place and they say, You know what? I don't have any righteousness of my own. I'm bankrupt. Beginning here, Beginning here, when we realize, look, I can't, I can't do this. I'm not, I've fallen short of God's glory. My, my good works are rotten. When that happens, of course, we mourn. We turn to God in our brokenness and say, God, I am broken. In fact, I'm, I'm so broken, I don't know if there's any hope for me. It's that mourning and there'll be comfort. Those that, that see their need and turn to Christ for salvation, they mourn, there's repentance. Friends, it comes very naturally that there's a meekness. That meekness follows because we realize it is not our goodness anymore. 
that we were guilty, that we, we were there. We should have been not pardoned. We should have been thrown away. It creates a meekness where we, we're, we're just much more gentle. We realize, wait, wait, I'm the one who's needy. And out from that, God gives us this hunger and a thirst. What a picture, hunger and thirst. And it's, it's this hunger that, God, I want to be more like Jesus. And out of that begins to come the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, merciful. This is so important. Remember, remember this. The Sermon on the Mount is not a to-do list. You cannot do this on your own strength. This is a picture of what God's Spirit does in the work of his children. This is a picture of someone who is yielded to Christ. This is what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't have the strength to do this. I've tried really hard. I just always fall. I get somewhere and then I get really proud. And then I like get knocked over. It's a description of a Spirit-filled woman or a Spirit-filled man. And if I am not merciful, can I tell you what the problem is? The problem is I'm not believing the gospel. I'm forgetting. And I don't know about you, but I'm forgetful. I forget things all the time, so I need a reminder. It's one of the reasons we gather as a, a group of believers. We need to remind ourselves. It's one of the reasons why I go to God's word every day as much as I can. Because I forget. I get distracted. I don't know about you. I'm a very distracted person. When I believe the gospel, what I'm saying is I'm that servant. I'm that, that, that servant that had that billion, trillion euro debt. And it's been paid. My debt has been paid in full. And as I've received mercy, I will share that mercy. Because I'm going to remember that whatever debt somebody has against me, whatever hurt that they've done to me, whatever meanness, cruelty, neglect, it's nothing. It's nothing compared with the debt that I've been forgiven. It doesn't compare to my wrong, my hurt, my hate I had against God. You see, I can be merciful because I've received mercy. What does that look like in your life? What does it look like in my life? Let me tell you. I'm going on. Life is life, right? We're doing life. And then somehow, somewhere, somebody offends me. They criticize me. I love to be criticized. How about you? I really like that. That kind of just kind of gets me going. All right. They hurt me. Maybe, maybe, or maybe I just see somebody else suffering, but I think, oh, they're suffering because they made a bad mistake. And I think, oh, I never do that, by the way. I'm just, yeah, I do. You know, oftentimes in my heart, I can respond critically. I can be cold. I can be mad. Anybody else? I'm sure it's just me. 
but I'm talking about me, not you. And when that happened, you know, God nudges my heart. Somewhere, something, a little voice starts to sing, and I think, wait a second. Joe, that is, that's a proud thought. And usually I fight back on that. Can I be honest? Full disclosure, I, I think, no, I'm not being proud. That, that person was being a jerk. But then I stop, I think, I listen. I think I'm being proud. Again. That conviction comes. And you know what is easy for me to do? I go from up here, I am proud, I am right, I am good, but then I realize I do something wrong, I'm being critical, I'm being unkind. And I go from here, then I go all the way to the floor, and I'm defeated. And I'm so disappointed. I'm so crushed. I'm so frustrated with myself, because I did it again. Is that where God wants me to be? Think about that. You know why I'm down here so low? It's because I think I'm better than that. Oh, no, 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 no. That is me. That is me. I'm, I'm, without God's grace, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fall. And I need God's grace. But when that moment comes, when, we, when we, we see that, wait a second, I'm not living right. I'm not responding right. I'm bitter. I'm mad. We confess that to God. Friends, it's then that we need to remember we have a good father. We have a father that wants to hear what we've done wrong. And I don't know about you, but your picture of God, when you come to confess, well, how does God look like to you? Is he sitting like this? Is that what we have? Because a lot of us have that view of God. We struggle with that. We think, we think that God is somehow disappointed with us because we've had earthly parents that have been disappointed with us. We've been disappointed with others. We think God says like, oh, again? I'll tell you what, we have a God that wants to draw us near him. And when we are self-righteous, when we're unmerciful, when we turn to him and confess as God's like, I want to draw you close. I want you to know that you're mine. I want to walk with you. He is not disappointed. He is not angry. He is not cold. Our God is not resentful. What I need when I'm not merciful is the gospel. That's what I need. When I'm lacking mercy, it's showing the gospel. I'm, it's run out of me. It's, it's, I need to remember that. In fact, I need to preach the gospel to myself. Yeah, I'm the person who needs the gospel most in my life. It's me. I need to remember what the gospel is. What, are the, what does that mean? I need to remember at least four things about God and about me. That God is almighty. That he is holy. That he is good. I need to remember that without him, I am nothing. I'm an accident waiting to happen. I'm a, a trip waiting to fall. I need to remember that my strength is not sufficient, but his is. And I need to remember the cross. 
I need to remember that Jesus went to the cross so that I could be united with God, that there would be no condemnation. That when it said, when Jesus' last words on the cross were, it is finished, that was an end to my sin. That it is done, that it was paid for completely. And that there is no condemnation now. I need to remember that. And I need to remember that I need to turn to him when I forget this. I need to choose to confess my need and walk with him. Friends, to be merciful isn't the person that's going around doing nice things all the time and thinking nice things. To be merciful is to be full of mercy. It's to be full of God, his goodness, his grace. It's to be filled with the gospel. And we need to keep turning to God for that. It's not our mercy. It's being filled with God's mercy. God wants us to be filled with his fullness. Wow. Let me throw in one more thought here. Because the verse concludes, says, Blessed, the favor of God, the smile of God is with the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Wow. But then it goes on, doesn't it? It says, for they shall receive mercy. Now, if we look at the passage, verses 3 through 13, and we stop and study it, we're going to notice there's a little change in the pattern. Because the first one, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs shall be the kingdom of heaven. No, it doesn't say that. Look at it. It says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, everything after that in the Middle East is a shall be. Friends, when we come to that place of brokenness, when we see our spiritual bankruptcy, we turn to Christ, ours is the kingdom. The transformation is there. We are now the children of God. The rest of these, though, it doesn't say is. It says shall. Blessed are, but then there's the shall. What do we call the period between being blessed, blessed are, and shall be? We call this that, that, that time. The difference between when, when we are now, we have the blessing, blessed are the merciful, for they shall. Something future, there's something that we haven't got yet. What do we call that before we get this full future promise? It helps explain why the place of blessing often does not feel like a blessing at all. You see, there is the I am right now, but then there is the I will be. We, we have eternal life, but there's more. 
there's more. It reminds me of the words of 1 John chapter 3. You want to turn there just to close our time together? 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. Actually, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. Right now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So let me, let me try to land this, explain this more clearly. There is the now, we are the children of God. But it has not yet appeared what we shall be, okay? And, and we're somewhere in between the now and the not yet. You see, the shall be is the shall that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. They shall receive mercy. They shall be full. We get a taste of it now. We get a taste of it now, but friends, it is just a taste. And it also makes us sometimes feel very, I don't know, we, we feel sometimes that emptiness. Now we are the sons of God. In being God's children, God's sons and daughters, his redeemed, we are blessed. We are the sons of God. It's not been revealed what we shall be. You see, we're missing something. There's, things are not complete yet. It's not yet been revealed what we shall be. Why, why are we talking about this? Friends, there's so much more to come. There is so much more to come. There is mercy for you and I to taste like we have never tasted before. How can I even begin to explain this? Have you ever had like a broken earbud? And you listen, but barely any sound comes out of it. And it's staticky because the wires, you don't even have wires on your earbud. But you know, you get the static on there. It just, it barely works, but I can hear a little bit of sound. That's the now. But what shall be? is Dolby surround sound. It's going to be extraordinary. It's going to make us quake. We're going to feel it. That mercy is going to be so full. And that should set our heights, our, our sights on saying, wow, I want to go there. It gets better. Friend, we can be merciful because our God is merciful. The book of Micah reminds us that God delights in mercy. He will judge. That is his work. That is his character. It is a reflection of his goodness as much as it is his justice. But God delights in mercy. I need that mercy. I fall short. But we turn to God when we fall short and say, God, fill me. Remind me, help me. May I walk with Jesus. May I walk in your strength and your power. Let's pray that right now.
Our Father in God, I pray that you'd give us a fuller view of your mercy. May your mercy not be just a, an occasional drip of water from a, a faucet. Oh God, let your mercy come down like rain. And God, make us like kids that we just go out and, and rejoice and play in it. We'd, we'd splash in the puddles. God, that we would say we are the children of mercy. We who have, we've been so wrong. We've been so broken and so rebellious. God, that is not us anymore. We're children of mercy. God, fill us full of that mercy. Forgive me, God. Forgive all of us when, when, when mercy is something that we withhold. Oh, God, forgive us for being scorekeepers. Forgive us, God, for being critical. God, help us heal the, the, the bitterness, the resentment, the unforgiveness that so easily lodges in our heart. God, let us, don't let us live there. Oh, God, let your Holy Spirit speak and, and, and draw us to you. Oh, God, that we could be merciful, that that mercy would reflect to the world around us and they would say, what do you have? I need that. God, we thank you for the mercy of the cross. Thank you for taking our place. We who said crucify you, you died and bled and rose from the grave that we could be forgiven. Give us grace to walk in that newness of life. Give us grace to praise you, to trust you. And God, may it bring glory and praise and honor to your name. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to close in a song, friends. Take some time to reflect, worship, and respond as God would lead you.